Welcome to the Hockey is for Everybody podcast. I'm Tony Scott. Today I'm going to do an introduction of our co-host Anthony Walsh and Kendall Olin Porter. And uh, it's going to be a little fun. We're going to just kind of learn a little bit about, about each other. you got a great guest coming on today, Jeff Badu. Jeff's got a great story. I can't wait to hear that one when I'm walking the dog here in the next couple of days. How are you guys doing today? <laughs> doing good, doing I'm, good. Yeah, I'm doing really well. Uh, you know, I had our first snowfall. I don't know if it'll stick, but uh, nice to see some not. white powder. You let's, know? let's hope not, okay? <laughs> a little before uh, Halloween didn't hurt anybody, but you know how that goes. Yeah, so the beautiful part about running the the, the board here is Anthony's the vociferous one, right? <laughs> yeah. And Kendall's the quiet one. Well, yeah. I can turn Anthony off anytime, anytime. <laughs> mute me. <laughs> I'm going to mute him, and we're going to really dig in on Kendall a little uh, bit. Not because of muting you, Anthony, uh, but we've done your story. You know, we've talked. Mm, you know, I just yeah. want, and, and I think a little, a lot of our listeners have listened to your pod, and your pod was very well listened to. Um, Let's learn a little bit about Kendall, and let's learn about your show, and then, then we'll get on to the uh, interview with Jeff, okay? Yeah, fantastic. All right, Kendall. Uh, obviously, our small world connection started with Peter Odney from YHH. Peter and you played uh, one season at the St. Saint Paul Saints. You both were students at the defunct St. Bernard School. So yep. what was it like when you found out, I'm not going to school here next year? Or did you, or was it kind of uh, well-known that the school was going down? Uh, it was tough. Uh you know, I think it was probably halfway through the school year. Um, you know, we all kind of found out that, you know, this was a for sure thing. There was kind of rumblings before, but, you know, everyone was like, oh, no, it, you know, we'll figure it out. You know, things will, you know, blow over and we'll be good. And so, yeah, when half about halfway through the year, uh, we found out, you know, the school would be closed. It was kind of like, you know, it was, I don't know, no one expected it. You know, everyone had a figure out you know where what we were doing the next year so you know it was the kind of scramble at that it was it was uh teachers everyone was just like you know they didn't have jobs you know yeah. next year so you know it was kind of more i don't even know if we did a lot of learning the second half of the year because you know everyone was trying to figure out what the next move was so yeah it was kind of it was kind of sad it wasn't you know expected and you know, you know, all your friends you met freshman year that you thought, you know, you'd you, be going, yeah, yeah, graduating with, uh, you know, all and you all up. split up, I bet. Yeah, a lot of them, yeah, went different places. I think only no maybe, one went to St. Agnes, though, did they? Uh, maybe that was a like handful, a big rival, right? Yeah, maybe a couple. A lot of them went to St. Paul, Concordia. Yep. Um, you know, we, I th they, a lot of the private school schools in the area in St. Paul, like you know, helped you know, kind of make the transition easier offering, you know, spots or slots or whatever for kids to come. But uh, I think, you know, I made the transition to Creighton, but there's only maybe three really? people yeah, from my class that went. And were you a Highland Park hockey kid? Uh, Como area. Oh, you were Como? Yep. Okay. So, yeah, I agree. All right. Was it just Como or was it yeah, merged it was with Johnson? Como. No, it was just Como my, my whole way through, uh, yeah, up in – through Bantams was this Como. Okay. Yep. All right. So. And how did you get into hockey, and what other sports did you play besides hockey? Uh, so dad, my dad was a big baseball guy. He played, I think he played a little Juco baseball and yep. stuff like that. And mom uh, ran Division One track at SIU University. Really? Yep. So Edwardsville, is that what it was? Uh, Southern Illinois yeah, University. Yeah, yeah. yeah yep. I think it's in Edwardsville. Edwardsville yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, come from kind of an athletic background with my parents, but 
Uh, I think they moved up here for school. My mom went to Stout, uh, and Dad, I think uh, he did finish his schooling at the at the U. Uh, so moved up here, played you know basically all sports when I was young, uh, and then we had a rink. I live. Uh, like two blocks away from a rink. Which rink was it? Uh, North Dale. North Dale. North Dale. That's a yep. big one. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Recreations. That's a cup. They got two sheets there, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So, uh, basically, just you know, all the neighborhood kids were playing hockey and stuff. I didn't know how to skate, but you know, during the winter, everyone was going up to up the street to North Dale, and I couldn't go because I didn't know what I was doing. So, uh, you know. T- Got my parents to get me skates and took me up to Biff Adams was the rink we skated at. So started there, just learning to skate. Uh, my parents always joke with me because they always say it took me a while to kind of catch on. They didn't think I would, you know, be anything in hockey because I was so far slow. behind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but eventually, yeah, took a liking to it, and that was pretty much all I did was hockey all year round. Stick, really? Yeah. Any t- any time I could, I was stick handling, shooting pucks in the backyard. I'm an only child, so you know I had a lot of free time to myself doing you know whatever, shooting pucks and that kind of thing. Where uh, at what point did you say, hey, I mean, when was it? Uh, elementary school, uh, high school? Did you say, hey, I want to do this past high school and do it in college? Uh yeah, I was probably. I mean, it was real early on, probably, you know, PUE Bantams. Like, I just loved the game so much. That was all I ever wanted to do was, you know, play hockey. So, uh, yeah, probably, you know, PUEs, Bantams, that was my goal to play college hockey. Really? My goal was uh, Boston College. That's where you wanted to yeah, go? Yeah, that was my big That was my big dream to play at Boston College. Yeah, so I didn't quite make it, but. You know what, uh, Anthony? And we're gonna give the mic to you for two seconds. Here. Yeah. What was, what was your dream school when you were growing up? Because you were, you know, I remember you like at the Bantam level and the, and the high school level as a stud player. Um, what was your goal? Where, where did you want to play? Um, I think ultimately, I wanted to play uh, for UND. Really? Uh, yeah, definitely. I was a big uh, hawk. Uh, you know, at the time, um, it was a different name, but you know, the Hawks and. Yeah, that was great, and I ended up actually, you know, going to school there ultimately. That wasn't really for the reason. It just ended up being the best fit for me, but um, growing up, I was always a big fan of their style of play. It was much more aggressive, you know, than potentially the U was, and I didn't have anything really against the U, but I just, you know, I was a big North Dakota guy, so. Did you ever see the game? It was, I got to think of the year. It was like 2006 or seven. My son's a 2000, so it was like 2006 or seven. It was a game where Lindsay, what's the guy's name? The big kid from Medina. Oh, got in a fight. It was a um, line brawl. It was it was at Joe uh, Joe Finley. 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 Yeah, Finley. he that pulled Lindsay. the guy out of the line. Yes. Yeah, yes. Do you remember that game? Yes. Oh my gosh, I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big Joe. I mean, I you know I, I'm all for that. You know, like, not not like that, but you know, yeah. Finley was tough a great guy. guy. Tough guy. Tough Absolutely. Guy. Tough guy. Yeah. They had a couple great guys. You know, go there. They had Connor Gorder, Joe Finley. Um, you know, a couple younger guys like I think Grant Mishmash. Um, he yeah, he ended up um, going there. Ended yeah. up going there, but he he played a little bit. I think in the organization, his brother did at least. Um, in that. And went to uh, UND. So we were at that game. My son, he was play, like he was like six or seven, mm-hmm. and we had seats way down, like probably six, eight rows up. And a few people were leaving. Like, whatever the Gophers were winning, or UND, you know, people wanted to leave. It was like three minutes. I'm like, we're not going anywhere. He's like, why? I'm like, because there's gonna be a fight after the game. <laughs> He's like, what? I'm like, just I 
whatever. So I'm like, so we go up to the top, you know, we get to the top and we're not leaving. We're not leaving. He's like, and sure enough, in the handshake line, mm-hmm. yep. he, he, it, was, it was almost yep. like I radioed him. I was like, all right, boys, cue the fight, you know. And yeah. he looked my, and my son, I think it's the only time in my life he looked up and he goes, how did you know, you know. <laughs> and it was so just like, that's, that explains the UND Rivalry. Minnesota rivalry oh, yeah. in it's one. It's Absolutely. so good. So good. Yeah, so. I always got jostled by my friends because I was really the only UND person in the crowd of my friends. Liked it. Fans. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. So, uh, talk to me about uh, you You played some junior hockey. I think you played yep. in the S. Was it called the SJ? Not SJ. The, the uh, I played a couple different places. I, I what s- league was it again? It was the it was uh, Iron Range. The NA3. And then, yeah, they changed it. It's all like the NA three now. Yeah. So, uh, and I was out in Montana, and Ho- I mean not Houghton. I was gonna say Houghton, but uh, it was out in Montana. So I stayed out there for a year, and I also played here in Maple Grove for a year. Okay. Yep. So yeah, Montana was a blast. Uh, it was you know a different change of pace. I've always lived in the city. City, yeah. yeah. So it, it was kind of cool just being out there. You know, we took four-wheelers to, you know, the different billet houses because we lived up, like, in the mountains. So they are doing all kind of different things, like, I wouldn't have never done. Yeah. And then where exactly is Finlandia? Uh, It's in the upper peninsula of Michigan. Where specifically? Uh, And it's in Hancock, Michigan. I know where that is. So that's near Houghton then, right? Yep, right across the bridge, yep. Okay. And there's a very famous rink there in Hancock, isn't there? And a big rivalry between the towns. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of the name, but I the and on the Houghton side is the first, uh, I think it's the first professional hockey game ever played there. Yeah, way up there. So yeah, there's a lot of history up there with hockey. It's very, like a hockey town for sure. And then we're on the Finlandia is on the Hancock side, and then across the uh, the bridge is uh, Michigan Tech. Right. So right. yep. And what did you study when you were at Finlandia? Uh, business entrepreneurship. Okay. Yep. Well, you're you're doing it. Yeah, exactly. It. And what do you do besides this podcast, which I s- you probably spend forty hours a week getting ready for? Yeah. So uh, after kind of my uh, hockey career winded down, you know, during COVID, uh, I kind of thought about my degree and what I could do. So actually, I started a small business, a mobile oil change business. No way. Yeah. So is that work- what you do today? I've been working on it the last two summers, trying to get it going. So it's slowly but surely coming along. I love so, it. Yeah. So it's it's been it's been a lot of work, but uh, you know it's making progress. So that's kind of my goal. All right. Yeah. And Anthony, where did you study after high school? I after high school, I had a brief stint at Bethel uh, University, and um, you know, great great time there. But ultimately, I went up to Canada and played uh, in Steinbach. When the the Manitoba Junior Hockey League, and then finished my um, more competitive career at um, Brockville in Brockville at, with the Brockville Braves, and that's really on the St. Lawrence River Seaway, and um, that's also uh, Junior A uh, Tier One in Canada. There, so I mean that was a great experience, and played a little bit of uh, club hockey up at UND. I was going to run track, and that ultimately ended up just like not not being a thing either. I was a very good track athlete, and growing up and in high school. Um, and ended up just focusing on my studies and, uh, you know, from there. So I am now a current uh, law student at Mitchell Hamlin. So. Yeah, I did know that. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your degree at, at, at UND? UND was a history and interdisciplinary studies. So okay. So it was kind of a mixture of that. Um, 
And it, it, when I know you graduated high school thirteen. When did you end up graduating? Because you have all those 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 uh, junior years too. So yeah, when did yeah. you end up graduating? Yeah, I played. I played one full year of junior years, and I graduated twenty eighteen. Okay, so yeah, all right, yeah, just that's one, pretty. Yeah, yeah it was my pretty little gap year. You know, <laughs> uh, I felt yeah very good about that. And, all right, you know, I felt like it was a good transition. I went into undergrad wanting to really be there and go to school and all. That and then stuff. now, speaking of gap years, the the couple years leading into into law school was probably some gap years too because of COVID. You know, we've had, you've probably had a good year and a half of where am I, right? Yeah, I just saw a year and a half for about two years. Um, I graduated, um, I culminated my undergrad in Norway and um, that was a really great experience and then went out to uh, Washington, D.C. After that, I worked for Senator Heidi Heitkamp and uh, as an intern and then, um, you know, the winds of Heidi, Heidi from what state is she from? Heidi, uh, well, so she was a senator from North Dakota. Oh, um, okay. She was born in Minnesota, but ultimately a North Dakotan. Um, and then, um, yeah, so she had her tenure, and, you know, she was an incredible senator. But, um, you know, November came, and uh, uh, elections happened. And uh, so I had to find another job, and I ended up working at a think tank for a bit and then uh, going to school simultaneously as a law student. And then pandemic, uh, COVID, 2020, George Floyd, all these things happened. I felt like I needed to be back with my family in Minnesota. So I transferred to Mitchell Hamlin and that's where I've kind of been now. And and then talk about the book just briefly, because it obviously spearheads the entire right. podcast right. here. Um, what year, what day did you start it? What day did you end it roughly? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the book itself, I started writing it um, probably around uh, August of 2020. Okay. I had just moved back from Washington, D.C. at that point mm-hmm. and gotten back to Minnesota. I was living in downtown St. Paula and um, just kind of taking an inventory of everything that was going on, right? You know, we're the state of hockey. Um, we had... Minnesota was in the spotlight for a very negative reason um, with what happened with George Floyd. Uh, I had a Minnesota Hennepin County attorney's office shirt because I had interned there at one point, and I would walk around D.C., and I would be anonymous. After that happened, people would point, and, oh, my God, Hennepin County, I know where that is, and it was just for the wrong reason. Yeah, so, you know, part true. of it was like, you know, we need to um, find a way to heal the space. Um, you know, it, you know, the wound started here. We need to heal the wound here. So, um, yeah, I, I took the initiative of like thinking about hockey, um, you know, kids, right. How do we get to, uh, make sure that we don't have these kind of, um, manifestations happen more often, right. We got to get the kids and let them know that it's okay to be loving and inclusive of each other. Right. So children's book was kind of another way to have that, um, you know, be invested. Also, you know, a way that a children's book, adults can read it as well, right? Because uh, big time, um, there's two or three lessons I yeah. drew out of this silly children's book. Right. It's not silly. <laughs> yeah. There's, a, there's actually, there's, there's applicable applications for for young kids. There's applications for bantams. I think there's applications for adults too. Yeah, yeah, and one hundred percent. And I've you know, had the great honor of being able to like teach kids at a young age, teach kids in high school, teach adults, and you know, workshop seminars as well. And um, so, yeah, I've just you know that was the idea behind it. Um, you know, the reception has been incredible as far as you know organizations being interested. You know, growing out of into a podcast now where we can talk more about it. You know, getting the game uh, more diversified. We had conversations off the air about how just if you can imagine all the best athletes, you know, trying all sports, right? Not just sports that they think are for them. Um, where, where sports, youth sports could be, you know, today. Um, so, yeah, that, it really excites me. It gets me, you know, I'm passionate about that. And that is ultimately why, you know, I've started this kind of work and continue to do this work today. Um, Kendall, uh, besides becoming rich and famous, what else are you hoping to get out of doing this podcast? Uh, just getting, just getting exposure to hockey. Uh, like I said, well, after I graduated college, um, 
I had a small stint of playing, like, semi-pro hockey. Um, so, and, you know, because of COVID, uh, you know, that I wasn't able to, haven't gone back. So, you know, just giving back to the game, uh, you know, a game that I love, like I said, I this was my dream and passion from, like, day one is to play hockey. So, you know, as you get older, things happen, you know, and st- can't play now, at, you know, at a high level or whatever. So, um, you know, my passion has kind of shifted as well to, you know, getting, you know, the word out there to, you know, everyone that, you know, hockey is a game for everyone. And, you know, it's something that is addicting. You know, once you get into it, like it's, there's so many different facets of, of the game to learn and, you know, hone your skills that, um, you know, I think is vital to a lot of different, uh, you know, aspects of life and just, you know, it's a hard game, you know, so I think this getting the exposure to the game, you know, and getting more people involved in it, it only, you know, grow the game and make things, you know, better. Anthony, in 7,000 words or less, how, what, what are you looking to get out of this? Uh, just to let everybody know that hockey is for everybody, you know, right, ultimately, it doesn't matter what you look like, it doesn't matter who you love, um, what religion you practice, this is a beautiful sport, it's a beautiful game, you know, we are all sitting around this table today with incredibly different backgrounds, but the one thing that we all have in common is that we love the game of hockey, and I think that that's something that, you know, can spread through different socioeconomic classes and through everything, so that's why we're here today, and, um, you know, ultimately, uh, if you're not a hockey person, right, I hope that you can hear this message and really give it a try, give it a shot. If anybody's got most in common, it's he and I. We're city kids. Yeah, yeah. you're a rich suburban kid. <laughs> no, you're right. from Wasika, Jeff. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, we we got we're we, we're oh. city folks. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. Oh, having fun. Yeah, I was literally quick doing the math. I'm like Wasika, yep, Minneapolis, like, hey, St. Paul. We got yep. something in common here. We all love hockey, and I'm really looking forward to this. I'm really looking forward to your guys' interview with Jeff Baidu coming up. Thank you, Tony. That was an incredible introduction and uh, much needed. Uh, but now we are here with our much-awaited guest, Jeff Bedu. How are you doing, Jeff? Doing well, thanks. Appreciate you guys having me on. For sure. Thanks for coming. Absolutely. Uh, Kenny, you want to start us off here? Yeah. Uh, so I just had, you know, your background, history, you know, where you came from and, you know, what you're up to now. So Yeah. So you're born in uh, Edmonton, correct? Born in Edmonton, Alberta, yes. To in the 80s. Yes, yeah, born in a, at a pretty sweet time to be born in Edmonton. Okay. Yeah. Um, to city of Champions, right? Yes, indeed, <laughs> uh, the City of Champions. Um, the Eskimos at the time, now the Edmonton Elks, were also winning championships in the CFL, so nice. that was fun to witness and, and you know, get to some parades. But obviously everyone in Edmonton is aware of the Oilers and the dynasty that existed, and mm-hmm. uh, my parents were no strangers to that. So, yeah, both of my parents are from Ghana, West Africa, okay. uh, Accra and Cape Coast, respectively, and so... Uh, they assimilated to the Canadian culture through the sport, through, you know, the best in the world at the time, right. uh, and the Oilers, and the, the dynasty that was. So um, that's what I was born into and, and got a chance to experience and, um, you know, reached that point where they were just so selfishly thinking that there was a parade every year they'd call the city and be like, did you move the parade? And it's like, the Oilers didn't win this year. You don't just right. get one every year. Um, <laughs> Next so hilarious. Yeah, born in Edmonton, Alberta. Um, then... Uh, my dad, you know, th- it was the pursuit of education that brought my parents there. He got his PhD at University of Alberta um, in animal sciences and then moved to University of Manitoba. So it was actually there uh, in Winnipeg uh, when the, the Jets 
moved to Arizona and then was in Minnesota in time uh, to watch the Wild start up. So graduated high school in Waseca, Minnesota, in southern Minnesota, class of 04, and then um, went to the University of Minnesota Twin Cities campus where I got my degree in HR and communications uh, from the College of Continuing Education. And then, you know, my first big kid job after school was at Capella University. Okay. Um, I was on the advising team as well as uh, facilitating orientations for new students, undergrad, master's, PhD students. After going to a school like the U, working at an online institution was a little different, but mm-hmm. it, was, it was certainly rewarding. You know, both of my parents are in education, so right. I thought that was my route and my path. And uh, four years later, I ended up joining a couple of networking events with the Minnesota Wild. Mm-hmm. Um, joined that front office April 22nd, 2014. I uh, was there eight years to the day until April 22nd, uh, 2022. <laughs> I uh, got to see all 32 teams play. Uh, my last day was oh. against the Seattle Kraken, so oh, nice. uh, I got to witness truly every team play in the XL Energy Center, which was incredibly rewarding and amazing. Mm-hmm. As a Canadian kid, if you can't you know, make it to the NHL to play, next best thing is working in the front office and yeah. being as close to the game as possible. Um, during that time there, I, I you know, was appointed equity advisor of Minnesota Hockey and diversity chair of USA Hockey, so I uh, worked very closely with a lot of the folks in, in both of those offices to – you know, be a part of the growth of the game, and, and um, yeah, that's kind of the lane I'm in now. Professionally, I'm at Meet Minneapolis, Director of Partnerships there, okay. so the destination and strategy branding side for the city of Minneapolis, but also for, um, you know, just the greater good of the state, and travel and tourism and hospitality. That's awesome. Yeah, Winnipeg, though. So after Winnipeg, then, um, you moved down to Minnesota, and did you continue to play hockey in Minnesota? I did not. I stopped playing hockey. Um, you know, my parents, like I said, are, um, you know, English isn't their first language and they're, they're from, you know, another country. So in their opinion, because we assimilated to the Canadian culture in Canada with hockey, they decided it was uh, important to exp- explore an American sport. Little did they know we were in the state of hockey when <laughs> we made the move. Uh, we, we definitely knew of hockey, but it, again, had been in that transition time. So I, I decided to play football. Uh, my brother, you know, he could skate as well. We we learned to skate in Alberta and then, you know, played ringette for a year in Winnipeg before um, picking up hockey sticks and, and getting into the sport truly at, at the different community centers. But when I moved to Wasika, um, it was slightly different. Uh, you know, you could tell there was an established hockey program there, but mm-hmm. um, being a part of a football team, enjoying the Friday night lights and everything else was a pretty cool experience. But uh, I certainly missed hockey and, and was grateful to be able to get back to it. But did not play um, until a few men's leagues, you know, many, many years later. Right. Um, at the high school level or anything like that when I moved to Wasika. So you're talking about a back to Alberta then, just w- you kind of, is that w- where you had like, your formative years and you would kind of, that's where you grew up and you would consider yourself to be a, a guy from Edmonton? and Yeah, yeah, still a Canadian citizen. So, okay. you know, even though I've, I've had many addresses, uh, um, you know, I still look at Edmonton as home. I got a chance to go back there with my brother uh, just before the pandemic. It was actually the dad's trip uh, for the Wild and the organization, so it was a really cool time to have family there with, going right. back to an Oilers game, see the Wild Oilers play. Um, you know, there were some Alberta guys on the uh, Wild team at, at the time and, and still, so it was cool to be able to be back in Edmonton um, you know, with, with family. It was his first time back to Canada in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I still look at it like you know, I'm, I'm very Canadian. It was, it's the sport I love, and... Um, Edmonton was, was definitely the place where we learned how to skate the first time, you know, I'd been on ice. Uh, we went into figure skating first. I think it was my one of my dad's grad students taught us how to skate. 
Uh, maybe she was just trying to get good grades and suck up. Took the kids off his hands for a little bit, <laughs> taught us how to skate. And then, uh, yeah, I just fell in love with you know being at a rink and, and you know, it's the sights, the smells, the sounds. Mm-hmm. And then seeing hockey for the first time, uh, actually getting into the sport when I moved to Winnipeg. But uh, being the on the ice for the first time was uh, an experience that took place in Edmonton and I'll never forget. Is there any, uh, I've never been to Canada or anything. Is there any, like, key differences between, you know, when you came, you know, moved to the States? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, Minnesota is very much like Canada South, you know. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, they call it friendly Manitoba. Canada South. <laughs> and then, you know, there's Minnesota Nice, and those are, are very similar things. But, uh, yeah, no, and th- you know, there's more people in, in all of uh, California than the whole country of Canada, right? Right. So it's, it's big in landmass, but by population it's not so big. And so it does kind of have that um, that feel like you could truly make it a home anywhere mm-hmm. you are. And and it was the cool experience I think I had too because we were always in university communities and populations. Yeah, uh, was truly mixing and mingling with a lot of kids that were just like us in terms mm-hmm. of being first generation Canadian. Okay, I can look back to some of my best friends. You know, um, I'd go to a friend's house and his parents are from Jamaica, mm-hmm. and so you you know you, you hear the Jamaican accent, you, you smell and taste the Jamaican food. Right. Another friend, and his parents are from Poland and the Netherlands and um, and England, right? So you get all these first-generation Canadians who grew up playing the sport of hockey together mm-hmm. and then end up bringing that cultural, um, you know, experience from each of those individual places into one locker room, right. actually. And um, it, it wasn't quite like that when I moved to Wasika, Minnesota, but mm-hmm. um, I definitely brought that experience with me to help kind of bring people in and, and just be as inclusive as possible and mm-hmm. having them learn about who I was and what I bring to the table with, with whatever it was I was going to be a part of, regardless of playing hockey or jumping on a football team or yep. uh, student council, all those things kind of helped me with that experience and, and uh, bring that to the table. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah before Wasika, so I do want to jump to that. And but So just one more thought. Like Edmonton, right, yeah. 80s. Uh, so Battle of Alberta. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. Uh, do you potentially like the Flames? Do you not like the Flames? Uh, and, uh, you know, because somebody like, for instance, like Drew McGinley, right? Yeah. Like you have to love and respect the guy even if maybe that – you know, that's not your team. Because I understand you're probably an Oilers fan. But, um, you know, how, one, how do you feel about the Battle of Alberta? You know, what is it, what is it, what, like, what do you feel when you put, when you see a Flames jersey? And then, two, just what does, like, a guy like Jerome McGinley and the success that he has had in the league kind of mean for people like us, you know, in the game of hockey? Yeah, it's, it's a love-hate thing. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> you love, um, you know, the sport and, and, and somebody like Jerome McGinley and, and, you know, the incredible legacy uh, that, that he is to, to that Flames organization. And, and you know the province of Alberta, um, but yeah, it was it was a, it's a love hate because you know as an Oilers fan you can't appreciate uh, even when they make the playoffs you, you're always rooting for uh, you know a Canadian team to to go to the next level and right. take that next step. It's been a long time, but um, we always joke that the cup always makes its way to Canada because there's always you know a lot of Canadian players, mm-hmm. and, and when they get a chance to take the cup home, they're usually taking it home to a Canadian city and province and. Um, yeah, Calgary is one of those places where yeah, I, I, you know the city's great, the Stampede mm-hmm. is awesome, uh, but when it comes to that sea of red and seeing those red jerseys, it's just not the same, right? right. It turns back into a little <laughs> bit of that hate. Um, but it, and it's and the Battle of Alberta is, is you know it's evolved over the years, but it's it's back with that full effect of um, exciting hockey. That's mm-hmm. what it really came down to was seeing some of the best hockey in the world um, in in one province in a, in a battle that truly you know, for the longest time meant quite a bit. Um, right. it's, I think it's getting back to that now, which is good. But, um, yeah, it was it was 
Jerome McGinley that helped ease that and, and want to cheer for, mm-hmm. you know, the Flames. And, and, and just being in, in Canada and being a, sp- a fan of the sport, you could turn that off and be a fan of the sport first, Jerome McGinley, and then um, you know, the Fair team itself. Yeah. But, yeah, the Oilers were always number one and, uh, and will continue to be. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I think just really interesting as far as, like, hockey goes as well in United States versus Canada is in us talking about hockey is for everybody and uh, players of color and inclusion is it is really interesting. I think, um, you know, you have like Grant Fewer, right? You have like so many. I had read that um, Edmonton had at one point had an all black line, you know, all these yeah. things. So, you know, I think sometimes we're on this podcast and people are thinking like, oh, you know, this is new, right? And people of color in hockey are new. And it's like, no, this goes back generations, right? We're just trying to educate, you know, the people on, no, we've always been here and that, you know, we're just trying to make ourselves, you know, heard. So, you know, that's so cool. And, um, like, what is it, like, assimilation-wise, right? So you're working with Minnesota Wild. Your, um, you know, your purview was with diversity, trying to, you know, expand the game, um, you know, with your story of assimilation in Canada and hockey and your families and having friends from Poland and Jamaica and England and um, all that. What is that maybe like in Minnesota for first-generation um, kids coming in from potentially, like, Somalia or, like, you know, any other um, communities that are um, uh, minority communities in Minnesota that – are looking for ways to maybe be more involved within, you know, a Minnesota community. Do you think, like, hockey is a good way to um, have that segue, you know, into that? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it's um, first and foremost just being a part of a community that isn't one that you're used to being a part of, right? So I think that inclusion piece, that welcoming piece, and then, um, you know, the three of us in this room know how important uh, representation is, right? And there was this um, excitement to have just representation uh, on the ice uh, of color, of course, and then in the front offices too. Um, you know, my department was actually customer service and retention, mm-hmm. um, and and I was on the new, new business development for my first couple of years at the Wild as well. But um, they didn't stop me from wanting to be a part of the community relations team and uh, the growth of the game campaigns and working with the NHL and, and going to diversity, equity, and inclusion conferences surrounded by sport um, and and just learning about how we could the sport we love, you know, at the top of that list for people to want to be a part of that community. It's it's one of the more difficult sports to do that with uh, because, you know, the global game truly of, of soccer, right, you could just drop a soccer ball down and people know what to do. Yeah. You've got <laughs> a hockey puck, <laughs> so you drop it, people, huh. you got to get sticks, you got to get, there's yeah. other components wow. to the game yeah. that you've got to, mm-hmm. right, and it's one of the only sports, too, where you can't have that interaction as close as you can with other sports and athletes and players, mm-hmm. right? You can't Lambo leap into someone's lap at a hockey arena, right? Yeah. You've got the glass between you, you've got the benches between you, you've got coaches, you've got things between you that separate you from being able to really interact and get um, up close and personal with somebody on the ice when they're in full gear. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's it's breathtaking to see it, right? Because you're on two razor blades at all times. That alone is a sport. Right. And then you add all those components that is the sport of hockey to it, and it's incredible. So it is. It's a challenge to get um, the people who aren't familiar with the game, you know, bought in, right, and invested into it because there are so many moving parts. But as soon as you witness it in person, there's nothing like it. You know, right. we know that, and so we want to make sure that again that representation equals what that experience is, mm-hmm. so that they can just not just see the sport, but see themselves in it, and then it translates to yeah, the front office, uh, the growth of the game, anywhere you can you can find that lane and be a part of something bigger than yourself, that's a, that's an opportunity to do so. And Minnesota has by far the, the greatest opportunity to do that because of the number of, you know, kids we have playing the sport, but then people who are invested in the sport, appreciate the sport, understand the sport, have knowledge about the sport, 
history of the sport here in the state of Minnesota, but then across the nation as well. Um, it's just got a unique opportunity to, to truly put itself in that space that says, yeah, this is a, sp- a, a sport and a world that you can truly be a part of uh, and a community that you can join at any level and uh, find somebody who, who's basically got that same level of interest and love for the sport and, and match you and meet you there and, and kind of bring you along on that journey. You kind of answered my next question is <laughs> your challenges, you know, you know, working with the wild, what, you know, what is it, what were the kind of key challenges which you kind of touched on, you know, with inclusion and diversity, you know, bringing more people to the game? Yeah, and, and you know, I was in ticket sales, and so um, it was easy, right? I mean, the, the first uh, couple of years, it was right after uh, Parisian Suter had signed. So literally, you'd pick up the phone and say, how many, where do you want to sit? Right. And get people in. And then it, it, you know, struck a few people that, you know, they uh, to them, it was just they were talking to Jeff. And all of a sudden, they meet me and go, well, you're Jeff? Mm-hmm. Right? There was this level of surprise yeah. being like, oh, but you know so much about hockey. You know, right. and they're like, oh, well, it's because you're Canadian. Mm-hmm. Right? So there was always something being like, well, they don't want to say it's because you're right. a black dude, right? Like, yep. <laughs> yeah. It, well, yeah. that's how sometimes they identify me. Oh, I have this one rep. Uh, I don't know how to – he has dark hair. It's like mm-hmm. he's, he's <laughs> a black eye Jeff. Yeah. 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 You know who Jeff is, right? Exactly. So we um, – certainly, hair. like, I, I would just kind of get through those because there was just so much work to be done um, on the business side, right, with ticket yep. sales and, and goals to hit and uh, and touch points to make with, with being on the customer service and retention side. But um, – then when I got a chance to see somebody see me in the front office mm-hmm. and uh, working in a role in hockey that they didn't know existed, right. um, that was helpful to me as well to, to want to continue to be on that mission and, and see what I could do next for the next generation of kids to come up. It wasn't to, you know, rise up to be GM, which Mike Greer's, thank goodness, right, can mm-hmm. uh-huh. taken over. And yeah. Yeah. But that's just one GM out of 32 teams, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. There's still not a single black owner in the NHL of 32 yeah. teams, right? So there's all these wow. things that yeah. we're still going to have the first of. Yep. And uh, it doesn't necessarily dawn on me to do that and be the, you know one of, but um, it was important for me to just represent the sport wherever mm-hmm. I went. I made sure to wear that proudly that um, I'm, a, I'm a member of this community, which is the sport of hockey, but also – you know, an African-Canadian, Ghanaian-Canadian male that, you know, has a life outside of this. But this is an important piece that I'm going to bring with me everywhere I go to. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So I understand you're an ordained minister. (laughs) Yes. Okay, absolutely. I did get ordained (laughs) online. uh, I think it was like Universal Life Church to be able to uh, help some friends, um, you know, go through wedded bliss. Unfortunately, they didn't end up using me, but it was a pretty (laughs) cool thing to (laughs) – know to to get anyways i i remember i signed it and dated it on my birthday which is a pretty cool thing yeah so yeah yeah that's I pretty was, that's uh, pretty cool I think uh, you get to pick your name i think i was reverend jeffrey Baidu for yeah, that okay yeah, <laughs> that's incredible. i love yeah, that um <laughs> so i mean like and just you know how was your like in a way i meant you know and you did a few friends but like how has your faith bolstered you through this hockey journey of trying to you know diversify expand the game you know i imagine it might not always be positive, right? Like, there, you know, is so much positive, but that maybe there are times that you do have negative experiences here and there. But, um, you know, uh, being an ordained minister, obviously for a different reason potentially, but just, like, how is that, you know, how have, has that helped bolster you through your journey? Yeah, no, it was, what was really cool was, um, you know, I, I got a chance at uh, an early age in uh, Wasika to learn about uh, FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and that helped um, kind of just put the, blanket of faith over every type of athlete there is and then get a chance to be in different experiences and, and opportunities and 
that was really cool, especially being in Wasika where, uh, you know, there isn't a large, um, there is a diverse population, but not everyone is participating in the same sports or activities. Mm-hmm. But when you got a chance to participate in an FCA event, it would bring you to, you know, a gopher game or to uh, an event that took place um, outside, but you traveled with, you know, your, your cohort from Wasika. So mm-hmm. we would come up to the cities. I remember meeting uh, Ben Utech very early on um, uh, when he was a gopher uh, and learning his story and his faith and how it impacted him and, and hearing that kind of helped me put it in my mind's eye what that looks like for me and what that should feel like moving forward and how important it is to keep that. And we ended up having a couple of those nights with the Wild um, run by an amazing rep named Sarah Sinto, and she would put together uh, these nights with some of the Wild players and have them talk about their story. That's and, um, yeah, Matt Cullen had shared some of the you know, most incredible things about his journey and, and stuff like that, right? So it helped mm-hmm. put it then not just on an athlete story but then a, a hockey story, and then uh, and then I could – use my experience to then help guide and, and direct um, precisely where I wanted to be in my faith, but then also in my individual life daily, day to day. And, um, you know, as a, as an athlete, but also just as a member of society. So right. um, it was cool to be a part of something bigger than yourself again, and then, you know, take a step back and put a different lens on it when you get a chance to experience it with others who are there for the same reason, but not uh, from your community or ne- necessarily, but, also from your community because of the faith and the blanket that we were all under for that. Yeah, so just kind of piggybacking off that, and you talked about your faith kind of helping you through your journey. Has there been, like, you know, one or, you know, a couple people that kind of have helped mentor you or, you know, been a bit influence on your career and your journey to this point? Yeah, um, you know, I got a chance to meet uh, Damon Kwame Mason uh, from the NHL. Uh, the director of Soul on Ice, uh, pretty early on when I was at the Wild, and um, Kim Davis has been an incredible mentor and, and person too. She's, mm-hmm. um, you know, very um, passionate about the work, but also just uh, very well versed on how to navigate that space, you know, amongst the executive level, but then also right. bring it down to that level of like grassroots and, and family. And mm-hmm. um, those those mentors have been incredible. John Sandful, another one at the NHL. Um, I- incredible leaders and, and mentors and people who have been in this space and experienced these things, right. uh, but also willing to, to provide an ear for me to share exactly what I've been through and, and um, as busy as they are, give as much space as they could to, to guide and, and lead and, and provide some of that wisdom that they've been through mm-hmm. um, to help me get to, to whatever, it was, whatever was coming next. Right? Right. There's a lot of unknowns, especially over the last couple of years, and um, having that support system uh, was pretty incredible. Um, there's a ton of names on that list. Brian Blake, uh, Jeff Scott. Uh, we ended up trying to do a, a collective, w- which was a large group of those of us of the African African American community and, and, and Black community uh, in in the sport of hockey, mm-hmm. coming together uh, virtually, and then trying to find times where we can you know cross paths and all of those things. But yeah. um, it was an incredible support system that that helped me get to, and we're still in touch today, which is great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just to, to mentor and, and like I said, provide that leadership, um, and and also do the work. It mm-hmm. was it was it was incredible to witness and be a part of, and um, still have that as a resource today. To piggyback off of that, even um, like what does it look like? Because um, you're talking about mentorship, and um, so you have been a mentor, and you know we all like to. Um, you know, I think everybody should, you know, try to mentor. But from from your experience, like, what does it look like um, when we, imp- 
inspire and empower youth to be the agents of change in their respective communities? I know that's like the, one of the mission statements of one of the organizations that you're a part of, but like, you know, like what does that from your perspective look like um, with, you know, inspiring, empowering the youth? Like what, you know, does that look like and what will be the outcomes of that when we actually have that done? Yeah, I, I um, also, you know, I, I truly mentor and, and I'm an adjunct professor at uh, Sports Management Worldwide, which is an online institution, eight week long certificate courses, and I had taken all the hockey courses, um, hockey GM and scouting practices, hockey analytics, um, the history of hockey with Phil mm -hmm. Pritchard at the Hockey Hall of Fame. So I had always just been trying to figure out how do I continue, well obviously the education background from my parents, right? right? How do I continue to just continue to learn and, you know, make myself as big an asset as I can so that I can help the next generation of whoever's trying to come up in the sport and ended up teaching a couple of courses um, at Sports Management Worldwide and, and mentoring some students through that, which the goal of the course was to just get a job in sports. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was rewarding for me to see that, you know, from the cohorts I was leading, people land in sports. In fact, Casey Ellinger is at uh, the Minnesota Wild Front Office now and was a student of mine at in one of those courses. Oh, nice. Um, now, he's from Minnesota and had the, the ties to sports world already. I think he was working for the Green Bay Packers when – uh, we plucked him and, and brought him into the wild and mm -hmm. onto the good side. But um, that was rewarding for me to see the, the fruits of that labor go into teaching and into a structure and then have it uh, reward somebody by putting them in a position to win and, and continue that work. Um, so, yeah, I think that it's incredible to see education, uh, right? That's one of the things I've, I've always kind of harped on is one thing that nobody can ever take away from you is experiences you've, you've lived through and, and what you've learned. And those are the things that will always be with you. So if we can put that into, uh, you know, the hockey world and into a space that allows them to to grow uh, genuinely and authentically, um, it, 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 it'll it feed itself, if that makes sense. Yeah, so just kind of talking about your stint with the Wild, uh, you know, has there been any, like, favorite moments through your stint of just things that kind of stuck out to you that, you know, you really enjoyed or, you know, remember to this day that, you know, stick with you? Yeah, there's been quite a few. I mean, I think the biggest thing, too, is, you know, especially working in the pro sports world, um, and I think anybody in, in the sports world can speak to that, is you, you spend more time, you know, with your colleagues than you do with family and friends, really. You know, it's, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's pretty um, taxing and, and, and cumbersome, but it's also very rewarding. Uh, so some of the relationships I established with, with, you know, leaders and mentors, but also just colleagues, friends, and, and some of the experiences that we had going on road trips, um, you know, being um, at another arena, but seeing your team, um, you know, put an event together or something like that, that was incredible. But I think the biggest thing for me was establishing relationships uh, with those in the hockey world who are doing the same thing, watching the growth of the game take place. Mm -hmm. um, like Matt Dumbas Hockey Without Limits Camp, I think will always be one of the my, my biggest highlights and, and uh, most rewarding experiences to be a part of. Right. Um, you know, he had made sure to include as many groups as he could. Mm -hmm. um, you know, diversified hockey, uh, women's hockey, um, you know, youth hockey from from neighborhoods who maybe typically hadn't had the sport in the past. Right, so mm -hmm. um, that that was incredible to me to see the game growing and to see like the fruits of our labor truly the work we're putting in um turn into that opportunity for somebody else and then also you know there was things i took for granted i think it was the wild too just being in an arena that i mean the xl energy center is incredible energy it's really not that old but if you look at some of the new places it starts to feel a little right. a little dated 
Um, but every game is someone's first game, right? And right. so being a chan- getting a chance to witness that and somebody being in the sport, it reminds me of my parents and the first time they had gotten to go to, you know, the Coliseum at the time mm-hmm. um, and, and see their first game. And I remember my first game. And, uh, you know, it just it goes it puts you back in that space of, like, not taking it for granted because you're just there all the time and right. spending all this time with all these people who are also doing the same thing. But it, it takes you back a step and says, wow, like, I want to make sure that experience is incredible so that they leave and talk about how incredible it was and, right. and they want to continue back. on and bring yeah. it back and be season ticket holders and whatever else, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, there, there's not really one specific um, time, but any time you see the team win, too, is pretty incredible. Right. Uh, playoff runs being just a part of the energy a- and even the the wake up rallies when the season's starting and you know we're handing out coffee and donuts and mm-hmm. uh, the odd sales for tickets and watching people line up and camp out you know for days right. just to get <laughs> a ticket to a game is just like um, incredible so yeah the, the truly the passion behind the sport and mm-hmm. uh, the energy around it was something I'll always just keep with me and I'm right. not that far removed so I, you know I was at the game last night and I still have right. that that love for it and, and uh, yeah I'll, you know and that'll never or anything like that, but it's only uh, more prevalent because of my time with the Wild for eight mm-hmm. years. Um, something I want to ask you about during that, actually, and we all have this in common a little bit, but your work with uh, New Directions and North Commons, and um, Kendall and I actually uh, coached um, a team that, uh, you know, with North Commons pullers and the most incredible experience, most incredible guys. Um, but, yeah, like, and I, you know, know that you – set something up with them on in the form of like a portable rink. Um, you had worked with the Black Firefighters Association to get that done as well. Just w- could you talk about that event? Where did it come from? The idea was it difficult to execute, um, and what that could look like in other places throughout maybe Minneapolis or other communities that need that. Yeah, the the industry growth fund from the NHL um, is something that um, the community relations team. Um, had been working on for quite some time and, and finding different opportunities. And I know, um, you know the Dynamites and that program has taken full advantage of it, which is incredible. And it's mm-hmm. a, we've witnessed the game grow uh, through programs like that. And New Directions was a program that um, hadn't always had those same resources readily available to them. Mm-hmm. And so once we uh, identified them as a group that we could truly work with, because uh, North Commons is a beautiful facility. They already got ice there, but it was just an opportunity to add to it. And so uh, with the NHLPA and Bauer, uh, we put together a rink and then ran into a, a, you know, a few uh, challenges and hurdles a- in terms of getting it flooded and um, how that was going to work out. And, um, the, yeah, the Black Firefighters Association in Minneapolis decided that they would step in and help us flood the rink. Mm-hmm. And um, they were all folks who had been in um, – know sports in their past some of them had skated and mm-hmm. remembered skating in different places and how important it was to just have that outlet in right. minnesota as a winter sport when you're on the north side exactly. um and so it, it meant much more than just putting another rink next to a rink for kids to skate on mm-hmm. um, you know we had talked about how that neighborhood has produced nba players and nflers and and champions, right? right? Tyler Johnson from there won a, he won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And so when that gets to come back to the neighborhood, he's not putting on a hockey camp. Right. But we don't know that the next NHLer isn't ready to come out of New Directions Youth Ministry, right? So right. with that added resource, um, there's another avenue and another opportunity for that to take place. So that was our biggest, um, you know, push for that to take place and, and – inviting that group to be a part of as many things as we could, the, the equipment drive, um, you know, from, from the wild and from uh, Minnesota hockey. And, um, 
yeah, it was it was truly just a unique experience for us to be a part of, but then also to watch it culminate into something greater. Um, Bauer also, you know, was a great help and, and um, had done this in quite a few different locations. And so to have that be one that's on the list now and, and the equipment they get to keep. So that's the rink they get to continually put up and, yep. and take take advantage of and make use of. It was kind of interesting that we um, only space we found to put it was on a basketball court. Which <laughs> obviously, in the wintertime is a dormant snow filled yeah. court. So uh, yeah. uh, to be able to clean that up and turn it into a rink was, was pretty nifty and, yeah. uh, and awesome to be a part of. And the, and the support from um, you know the, the park board obviously was on board eventually with it as well as the firefighters and um, all, all the community coming together to, to put this together for the youth yep. it was also just uh, you know a story that it was too good to be written it was just awesome to be a part of looks so cool and uh, shout out uh, Pastor Dale as well for putting uh, a lot of the new direction stuff together yep. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you'll but so you had mentioned something a little bit earlier right um, with your parents right we'll go back to them a little bit mm-hmm. so they're Ghanaian, um, they're West African. At one point, they said, oh, you know, we're going to, for the pursuit of education, go to Canada. Um, and so now your parents are professors, they're, um, uh, they're teaching at the, the, the U of M. And, like, what does education now, like, mean to your family and mean to just you in general with hockey now and, like, how we could use that to grow the game and what does that look like? Yeah, they, um, you know, education, I, I think my dad is going to be a lifelong learner. I think he, he's still buying books and, um, you know, being published in textbooks and things of that nature just to keep learning going. I think mm-hmm. um, he probably wishes my brother and I would have picked, you know, to go to school longer and, and get the whole PhD and be doctors like him. But, uh, you know, I was I was cool not uh, being in school for as long as I was alive, it felt like. So, right. um, but, yeah, no, education is incredibly important. And, and like we talked about, too, it's one of those things that – They've always instilled in me. It's one of those. It's, it can never be taken away from you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's it's yours. It's your experience, and it's also how then you pass that information along. Somebody will have to gather all the information from you by learning. And so, um, I think that's something that the game has a large potential for, um, as a whole, from from the youth level all the way to the pro level. There's still learning opportunities, and that's what's cool about, um, you know put an educational piece together, if it works here, great, then we can scale it to the rest of the nation and watch hockey programs and the sport grow across the nation rather than just here in Minnesota where it's doing very well. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, everyone has seen something change over the past couple of years due to the pandemic, and um, unfortunately, you know, we're still running into um, incidents when it comes to race, religion, uh, you know, creed, right? There's different things that are prohibiting the game from growing, and so education will help that. It'll help solve that, and it'll help uh, everyone from officials to you know, volunteers to those who actually play the game. Mm-hmm. And um, it's important for us to just look at it like that. It's a, it's truly a part of the growth opportunity. Um, there's, again, going back to just every game being someone's first game, you, you know, before you walk into a rink, you don't know that it's cold in there necessarily, right? You don't know what it's going to smell like. You don't know right. if you've got to pay to go in. You don't know all these types of things, right? But... Once you've done it once, then it gives you that opportunity to explain that to somebody else. And same thing with, you don't know how tight your your laces are supposed to be tied the first time you put on skates, right? So until you've done it and experienced it and know what it's like to have a skate not tied on tight Mm -hmm. or a a stick not taped, right? There's so many things that you just, you don't know until you you know. And so I think that's one of the big things with the growth of the game too that we've we've got an opportunity for is education. Um, How can we learn more about, what it's like for different cultures to experience the game. How can we continue to learn about 
um, how to welcome them, how to be inclus- uh, inclusive of, of, of all those groups. And then um, the educational piece too, what, what you know, officials go through. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I feel for them a lot of the times for <laughs> the, the officiating at all levels, uh, and wha- not just in hockey, but in all sports, yeah. uh, especially hockey, because there's more to it, right? Like, yep. um, you could just show up and, 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 you know, and ref or officiate other things. This you've got to you've got to put skates on. You've got to, you know what I mean. You've yep. got to get to a rink. There's different things that uh, that come with it, it at the hockey level, and and that's something that I think uh, again education helps uh, with putting people in a better place to understand exactly what another group is going through, so that you can be respectful and inclusive of all groups, you know, coming to the rink and, and wanting to be a part of the sport. Yeah. So just education helping and. Um, there's a, I guess, so you're, you work with Minnesota Hockey as a representative, correct? Yes. Uh, okay, right. advisor for Minnesota yeah, Hockey. Okay, so I yeah, did know that, but I wanted to have the official title. So, um, you know, with that whole education aspect, we know Minnesota Hockey is big on trying to grow the game as well. Um, you know, like, what are they doing um, to have that? Are there positions that they're, they're creating for this? And, you know, are those positions going to focus on maybe that aspect of it as, as, as well? Yeah, so we... Um, you know, I've worked very closely with Safe Sport uh, to learn uh, and uh, again educate associations and everyone involved in the sport with what types of things um, you know the game should try to eliminate to make it more inclusive, um, and then what types of things are taking place that will help us identify um, you know areas for growth and improvement in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, then we worked with the PCA with the Positive Coaching Alliance to truly educate um, you know parents, coaches on how we can equip ourselves with as many tools as possible to be inclusive, to be you know, educated and, and put ourselves in a place where um, learning can take place quickly or at a, at a very high level or you know, scale it across not just those who are already in the sport, but those who are brand new to the sport mm-hmm. um, and, and speak a universal language that allows somebody who's played hockey for 25 years and somebody who's only learned about the sport in 25 seconds to be right. able to talk that same language and be on the same page. So yeah, Minnesota hockey has done quite a bit to um, you know, focus on that specifically. Right now, there is an opportunity uh, for a diversity, equity, and inclusion, and a hockey growth manager, uh, which is the first of its kind at Minnesota hockey to take place. It's a full-time staff position, and that person will focus on um, you know the opportunities to grow the game in the BIPOC communities, in the girls' game, uh, when it comes to associations looking at participation growth, mm-hmm. um, and and it's important for us to to know that that is a full-time position. That means it's being taken seriously. That means it's being worked on. That means right. it's, it's truly going to be somebody's uh, focus from day to day. Um, so that that's that's a huge part of it. And then, you know, Minnesota Hockey had worked very closely with the University of Minnesota and the um, growth of uh, social responsibility in sport to uh, through the School of Kinesiology to truly put a project together and, and, and employ people who maybe aren't as close to the hockey world mm-hmm. to take a, a, you know, a, a really close look at, okay, here's, a, here's what we're presenting as is our problem. Uh, what type of solutions would you present? And we had amazing discussions, conversations, presentations from students at the University of Minnesota at a graduate level breaking down exactly what they see from an outside looking in uh, on the way the game can grow and, and what exactly should take place. So um, having that 
lens on it was incredible um, so that we could see exactly what um, the perception is of hockey, right? There's, there's, there's yeah. a, a perception of something and then there's a reality and then there's a way to educate on how we could you know, put those two things together and watch growth take place. And so that was that's something Minnesota Hockey has done incredibly well and has continued to partner with the University of Minnesota on and, um, and the Positive Coaching Alliance and, and the, um, you know, there's, there's so many groups out there that have already put resources together, especially when it comes to just uh, sport. But when we can apply that specifically to hockey, it, it truly does uh, you know, change how we can grow the game and be inclusive doing so. Yeah, so y- you touched on, you know, a lot of your initiatives and stuff that you've done. Um, have you seen improvement in those or progress? Uh, you know, can you touch on some of the progress that has been made and yeah, things you've seen? Yeah, I'm really excited. We got a chance to be a part of the first Hockey is for Me programs at the Minnesota Wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a program that allows kids between the ages of 5 to 9 uh, to just be introduced to the sport, right? Get get the equipment, put it on. Uh, and also, I think as equally important is introduce their parents to the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, they get a chance to, to you know, hear from parents who've um, had kids grow up playing the sport and um, what it's meant for them as, you know, individuals, but as athletes and, and you know, members of society beyond the sport because um, not everyone goes on to play in the NHL, right? Just right. like not everyone goes on to play in the NFL, the NBA, but there's an opportunity for growth to take place while playing that sport at whichever level. Mm-hmm. Um, so hockey's for me has been incredible to, to launch and witness take place and, and continue to grow. And uh, the Little Wild program is one like that too from through the Minnesota Wild um, in different communities and, and locations that allow growth of the game to truly take place. So yeah, there's definitely progress. I, um, you know, I think what's cool is you know, uh, Kim Davis always talks about it being uh, a movement, not a moment, mm-hmm. right? There's always a moment in time you can focus on, but when you're a part of a movement, there's momentum behind it. Yep. And there's these growth opportunities that will continue to take place and allow people to, to see it. I think, you know, it's one thing when uh, it gets talked about and, you know, it's like playing telephone. When you tell the story so many times, by the time it reaches, you know, the end, mm-hmm. who knows what the actual story is. But when you right. get to go and experience it yourself and see it and, and live it, um, it truly puts you in another mindset that allows you to, want to then talk about your experience and how the game is growing. And so yeah. I think that's something that uh, being a part of those programs has certainly helped with mm-hmm. and um, helped others just even perceive. I think they hadn't even thought of hockey before. Right. And there's this perception to a lot of people that, oh, it's not uh, it's not inviting, it's too expensive. I mean, we're blessed here. We have 10,000 frozen rinks, you know, every winter, right. uh, which started last night, it looks like. Yeah. So, um, you know, we have an opportunity for access to take place, and there's more than enough equipment in this state to truly get everybody on skates if we wanted to have it happen. So there's, again, this uh, education is a big piece of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think there's definitely momentum behind it. Uh, The work that the HDA is doing, the Hockey Diversity Alliance, um, again, blessed to have Matt Dumba here in the state of hockey, um, continuing that work and being a part of those efforts. Um, It's, it's, I think, a, a unique opportunity for both the NHL and the HDA separately but also um, you know together and in congruence be a part of the growth of the game and mm-hmm. um, initiatives and plans to do so and so um, yeah I think there's been incredible strides but there's also so much more room for growth and development yeah. and uh, we're witnessing it which is really cool uh, you know the, the women's game uh, the, the 
um, excitement and and passion um, that fans can generate now in that sport as well at the pro level. Um, yep. The Whitecaps, right? Yep. Yeah, the, the Gophers just played the Whitecaps yeah. recently, right? right. They had that exciting. Yeah, that yep. was awesome. So. The collegiate level and that pro level. Mm-hmm. Um, again, representation, right? It allows them to see themselves at a next level playing the sport. Yep. Um, the GM yeah. of the Whitecaps is a person of color on, as, as well, right? Yes. Yeah, yep. so yep. that's another kind of like, exactly. you know, we have yep. just an opportunity there and people can representation matters. So, yep. I mean, I, I, you know, like you're saying, it is, you know, we have those, you know, those growth opportunities there, yes. but uh, we got to keep on, you know, movement, not a moment, right? Right. Um, yep. So, and telling that story, mm-hmm. I think that's the other part too, is like, yeah. you know, I think we've oftentimes, especially in the hockey world, been known to be incredibly humble and, and it's always about the right. team and the greater good, but mm-hmm. this is one time where we got to, you know, we got to toot our own horn and <laughs> really allow people to know that like, hey, we're, we're not truly just bumping our tires to do so for our own confidence, but right. for the greater good of the game and the sport, um, we are we are doing a lot to make sure that everyone who steps into a rink feels included. If you're a parent, if you're an official, if you're a player, right. um, or you know just a fan of the sport, um, you have a place I- in this sport and in this in this world. So, um, Minnesota hockey has a really unique opportunity to do that, so, and that's again education, but also those lived experiences. Can you mm-hmm. come and and then go share your story and tell how incredible it was? And sure, right. if there's bumps in the road. We'll address them. We'll, we'll we'll do everything we can to make sure that you, you know everyone feels heard, right. um, and and there's there's obviously things in place when it comes to the disciplinary side, and uh, there's things in place when it comes to uh, you know the skill side and the growth of the game. But mm-hmm. everything else is just truly just j- be a good human, right? And then right. for that, yeah. Yeah. everything else just falls into place. So Golden yeah. rule. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the hockey world has has that, and and I think um, we have a, like I said yeah, a unique opportunity to. to uh, be a part of something special, watching it grow for the greater mm-hmm. good of who's coming next. And so we're on a podcast and kind of started from a little bit of a book. So, like, what what is one podcast, if you listen um, to podcasts, or what is one book or both, you know, that, you know, has had an effect on your life and that you would recommend other people read or listen to? Yeah, one of the first, um, you know, books that truly, um, you know, changed everything for me, just putting things in perspective, and obviously, like, you know, I talked about my dad's a swine nutritionist. Like, he's a pig doctor. Mm-hmm. I love to eat, right? Like, mm-hmm. food is my waistline. Yeah. Tells me, like, I love food. <laughs> but there was this book called How to Cook Your Life. Um, and it's truly, it's a cookbook. It's a recipe book. But it's also got all these life lessons. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's just an incredible, um, you know, step back and approach to life. Like a recipe, like a cookbook, like a... And, and, and that was one that, you know, there's a quote, not necessarily in that book, but uh, I think it's a Confucius quote, like, talk does not cook rice. It's an old Chinese proverb, right? Like, you can talk about it, but until you actually take the action, you're not going to have rice to eat, right? So um, this book is like, okay, you've read the recipe, but now you actually have to go try something, right? Oftentimes it's easy, okay, I can read the recipe book, and I'll talk about maybe trying it sometime. Until you actually get your hands dirty and the flour and, the, you know, the oils, whatever, yep. you're not going to actually have anything to eat. Right. So that's that's kind of one of those lessons. Like, you've got to actually do the work to see what comes next. Um, wow. And then podcasts, uh, Soul on Ice, um, Damon, uh, Kwame Mason. Yes. And, uh, um, you know, the crew that he had put together and the, the amazing shows that they had had and will continue to have and the work that he's been doing. Um, incredible. I, I'd be, you know, almost been waiting for something like that. Right. 
you know, we talked <laughs> yeah. about, um, you know, that Oilers team that had, um, you know, an, basically all all black ice, right? Yeah. It was, it was <laughs> and um, how a member of that is now the first GM uh, for the San Jose Sharks, right? So all those things took a long time to get to, but to have that podcast almost put them all together, um, and then historically represent things and 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 talk about things and bring things to life and. Um, has has been incredible to listen to and, and uh, you know appreciate from afar and and uh, and close up knowing Kwame as, as closely as I know him. So yeah, Kwame is an amazing guy and an amazing documentary. Yes. Um, that I recommend everybody check out. So on ice, go out and watch it. Uh, so you are known to, from what I understand. Um, so actually, so yeah, we'll go this route first. So. Uh, you know when to bark uh, when you're playing <laughs> hockey against people. Yeah. Now, question I have, right? Is it is it more of like a like a Chihuahua bark, or is it more <laughs> of like a Rottweiler? Right? Yeah. You know, is it like a DMX? Like, yeah. You know, like uh, yeah. you know, could you give us your best like impression on that, and then maybe talk a little bit about why they why you do that? Yeah, the the barking. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't even remember where it started, but. It would, uh, it would, it would help on the floor hockey court. Uh, I was um, a floor hockey champion twice while in the front office once in a while. There's yeah, a, nice. There's a floor hockey league that takes place, um, you know, in the summers. Hopefully, um, very short summers, right? Because you want to go into the playoffs as long as you can. But mm-hmm. in the event we we didn't or didn't or uh, didn't go very far. Uh, we would be able to turn the XL floor into a floor hockey rink mm-hmm. and uh, and compete. And uh, one of my Tactics, you know, to get uh, the ball off of somebody in the corner uh, would be to let a little bark <laughs> out and uh, let them know I was coming, but <laughs> also, um, you know, have them you know, hold the stick a little looser and, and see if it, it could be my, my ball next and uh, try to bury it in the back of the net as fast as possible after that. So, a couple apples um, here and there. Yeah, 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 a few assists. You know, I, I did my thing for sure and um, did, did, uh, did so by having a lot of fun. But yeah, the barking, and then uh, on the ice too. It was one of those things that, um, you know, oftentimes when you have a mouth guard in, you know, you can't get things out as, as you wish you could, <laughs> or as yeah. quickly as you could. Mm-hmm. So uh, a bark was pretty easy to be able to to pull off. And again, just to let everyone know I was coming. They, yep. they, you know, they could probably know I was on the ice. I wasn't uh, the most, you know, fleet of foot. I wasn't moving out there too quickly, um, but very purposefully. Yep. And so if I could, uh, you know, provide that warning with enough timing. Usually it, it landed me with the puck, and they were able to get it to a teammate pretty quickly. So, nice. yeah, uh, to give an example of, of a quick one, it was more of a, like you said, the, those examples. Never really Chihuahua, never really Rottweiler, a lot of DMX. Yeah, oh, yeah. A lot of DMX. <laughs> <and> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very much a, X it was a little bit of a you. growl, and then it would turn into a... <laughs> Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. That, yeah. Uh, you got me that shaking solid. there for a yeah. second. I would definitely yeah. be yeah. scared that was coming at I me. I see the goosebumps, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I might have to implement that in my mental. I just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give it a try. Uh, Teach our kids on the ice that. Go ahead and bark exactly. at them a little bit. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kind of one of my last questions is uh, just throughout, you know, your career so far and just being around the game so long, is there any, like uh, – Life lessons, you know, the game, hockey, just being around it has kind of, you know, taught you that, you know, you're going to carry on to, you know, your new career and, you you know, what you're doing now. Yeah, one of, one of the coolest things I think I've, I've learned and witnessed in the sport, um, it's truly one of the most difficult championships to win, mm-hmm. um, regardless of what level. 
Right. Um, I think about even the Memorial Cup and, and the teams that go through just incredibly grueling travel yeah. schedules and then games with right. the highest level of competition to win, um, that the journey is never really over, right? No. Like you're mm-hmm. always, even if you watch the Avs raising the banner um, this this year, unfortunately, or fortunately <laughs> for those Avs fans, <laughs> a lot of them talked about how that was the end of a chapter but the start of another journey. They're already excited for what's coming next. Right. So I, I do translate that to life. You know, if you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. And you've just got to be ready for it. So right. it's it's truly given me a, a sense of remove the, you know, the, the fear of the future and that, that paranoid and, and turn it into preparedness. Mm-hmm. Um, be prepared for whatever comes next, right? Because it's one of those sports where you don't always get the same type of shot like you would get the same type of pitch right mm-hmm. in, in baseball or um, the same type of play in football or it, it compared to other sports there's just this unique opportunity for it to be very fluid very um, you know you've got to be in that malleable state where anything can happen and you're ready for it mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of what um, you know hockey translates to life for me is that it's going to be incredibly hard work. It's going to be a ton of fun, mm-hmm. um, but there's also going to be, you know, adversity and trials and tribulations that allow you to grow if you're ready for them. If right. you're not ready for them, you get in your own head, and then that translates to your game, too, mm-hmm. where it's not a slump. If you're in your own head, you're gripping the stick too tight, right? Those yep. types of things are, are you telling yourself something. Yep. Hockey does that for life as well. If if you if you notice something about your life is going one way or another, it's because something is impacting it, and you haven't addressed it. Address it and watch what happens next. Right. And I think hockey does that uh, at a at a you know very fast pace but fun, fun way as well. And yeah, um, yeah it's it's you know obviously I'm biased, but I think the greatest game on on, on the earth, right? So yep. for that to be you know a lesson that you can pick up from the game. Um, it changes everything, and, right. and like I said, you know, all you have to do is is win to get in, and once you're in, anything can happen. Um, have fun on the journey. Yep. Right? Hockey is, is a game at the end of the day, but um, there is so much that you can pull from it that'll help with whatever comes next. Mm-hmm. Um, removing, like I said, that fear and that paranoia and turning it into preparedness is something that I think hockey has done for me, and I hope it does for for others. Yeah, I love that idea as well of like you know, the ups and downs, right, the bounces that maybe, you know, a bad bounce here or there, right, you could have the entire game go your way and the bad bounce ends up culminating in that goal for the other team that, you know, they score. I think about Bowling Green when they were playing Duluth and uh, that puck rimmed and <laughs> it hit that little nail and the puck shot out and the game was over. And I know people that still today, you know, are playing in that game <laughs> and it's, um, you know, it's one of those things. So, you know, you got to translate that into life and, and everything. And um, so, you know, moving, you got to move forward and move forward. Um but uh, so you were with the Wild for seven years. Um, now you've are now with the city of Minneapolis in the um, position of director, partnership, and destination and branding and strategy. And I want to hear uh, just a little bit about that, just how that um, your time with the Wild has affected that, and your time in hockey and everything. But um, before then, I understand that with the Wild you were known other than your name, right? So um, you were known uh, for. Uh, Dancing or for boogieing, right? Not <laughs> dancing, right? You boogie, you don't dance. <laughs> yeah. And there's something called the Baidu boogie, right? So yes. I, I, you know, I know you're expecting this question. Where did that come from? Tell us a little bit about that and yeah. just you know that the exciting fun stuff with that. For sure, yeah. So no, it's it's a 
a work hard, play hard environment. <laughs> like you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. And that was part of the play hard. That was, uh, um, I think it started off on Snapchat as a very quick little, you know, I was walking by my colleague's desk and um, Sadie Lundquist, who was actually a member of the White Caps, <laughs> um, you know, pulled out her phone and, and I don't remember if something was playing or if I was I was on a call and she said, do something cool. And I just kind of mm-hmm. busted a move real quick. <laughs> and then it turned into like, okay, well, that was cool. Like, I think she just sent it to you know, who, whoever in her phone. And then it turned into like, like do it again. Viral. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was like, okay. So then we added a few elements to it and we, we tried to play off of some things. Yeah, the Beidou Boogie on Instagram um, exists with quite a few examples of uh, the work hard, play hard environment we mm-hmm. had in the office for sure. And, um, yeah, it would just come out with, like, a new prop or something. And right. then, uh, yeah, it turned into little mini productions. You know, the, the team got uh, involved, and, uh, you know, Charlie Coyle was always a huge fan. He'd always reach out on Instagram and, and let me know that he was a huge fan of it and waiting for the next one. And um, <laughs> Devin Dubnik ended up recording a couple of the intros. And um, you know, Dumba's always – I don't think he even remembers my full name. <laughs> just calls me Boogie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah there's, there's – uh, you know, it, it was cool to have it be a part of – you know, the work culture, um, you know, it was part of the, the fun we had, but mm-hmm. um, it was only taking place after we worked hard, of course. But right. Yeah, no, it was, and again, that I think that comes from just the, you know, Ghanaian parents, right? If you watch the Ghana soccer team when they're approaching the field, they don't do it quietly and stoically. They're dancing, they're singing, they're having a good time, yeah. there's smiles on their faces, right. and they're going into battle, right? So that's one of the things that I think is just kind of translated from that world and that life is, you know, I'm, I'm a fun-loving dude, and, and yeah, from, from that roots in the culture it's just a part of me i you know i can't yeah. music li- if music makes you lose control then, then let yeah. it happen <laughs> yeah 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 i'm a treat on the dance floor for uh. sure because i don't dance a boogie right yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny. and um yeah and then that's uh hockey and uh football obviously you play but i understand you do a little bit of golf right yeah so yes, I, was yeah. On the, I was on the grade eight golf team yeah. um and and that was my intro to the sport yeah uh, okay. was, was in grade eight and so that was a good time i Love the sport. I have you know the golfing license plates on my mm. on my vehicle right <laughs> now. But um, I, I'm just a huge fan. I don't get a chance to golf as much or as well as I would like. Right. Um, but when I do get a chance, I, I one of the biggest things that and and there is you know pretty cool uh, connection between the sport of hockey and, and the sport of mm-hmm. golf as well. Um, but you know that pre that's I guess I'm predated to that in my mind from. Um, just my own experiences, but yeah, I love the sport. It's one of those things I learned early on. You can't get mad playing the sport because mm-hmm. yeah. uh, then you're <laughs> in your own head, and then you're you're changing what happens with the game. Yeah. It's truly just like that shot's over. The next shot's coming up, and right. if you have to put a ten on your score sheet by the time you're done, or if it's a three or a four, you you celebrate, but you move on to the next hole. Um, yep. And so that's what's cool about that sport. And I, I yeah, I definitely have. Uh, I look good playing the sport. I yeah. definitely make sure <laughs> I accessorize properly. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I have a ton of fun playing, but. Yeah, I've I've learned to uh, to grow in that sport as well. But yeah, golfing is is definitely uh, cool, unique, and then I love how it's become you know part of business, a part of fundraising, yeah. a part of mm-hmm. a true culture. Uh, and then we're we're blessed here in Minnesota to have some pretty nice courses and, and opportunities sure. to get on the course too, when when the weather permits. So yeah, yeah, no, I I definitely appreciate uh, <laughs> the sport of golf. Yeah, awesome. And then yep. uh, just so with the city of Minneapolis yes. in your position, right? Yeah. So. Um, we had the Minneapolis high school team, you know, revamp. Yes. Joe Dizik, amazing guy, brought them to the state tournament. Yes. Um, you know, what's next for, you know, Minneapolis and hockey? Is there yeah. some stuff there? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, hosting the Winter Classic was pretty incredible uh, and a really cool way to you know, bridge the cities, right? The, the XL is in St. Paul. 
um, Target Field, where the Winter Classic was held, is in Minneapolis, and to watch the two cities work together um, to to watch the sport uh, be celebrated was pretty incredible. Um, yeah, in my position, now I'm the director of partnerships, so truly working on um, when you know visitors and local visitors, if you will, are visit you know in Minneapolis. Their experience from start to finish is, is done with a partner of Meet Minneapolis in some capacity, mm-hmm. and it's a positive one that they'll take with them. So um, truly just helping business grow from the community level, but also um, you know large cor- corporations and businesses, too, that exist, um, supporting that business travel, that leisure travel, that uh, any type of travel to Minneapolis and, and the surrounding you know cities and, and, and the state as a whole being celebrated when it comes to travel, tourism, and hospitality. Um but when it comes specifically to hockey, we're, you know, we're in the entire state of hockey. So yeah. <laughs> know, there's, there's, there's discussions about, um, you know, how we can celebrate those from every corner of the state when they visit Minneapolis and the sport of hockey in some capacity. Um, you know, oftentimes they have this thought that because, you know, the headquarters of Minnesota hockey is here, that they're only we're only focused on the Twin Cities metro area, but truly, um, the growth and the uh, opportunities we have to watch hockey um, grow is not just in the Twin Cities. It's it's much more vast than that, and um, we want to make sure that's celebrated when the sport is being played in Minneapolis or, or the surrounding cities. Truly, um, there's some amazing people, uh, and like I said, volunteers and. Um, Coaches, officials, players, everybody who's touched the game and um, gets a chance to do so in the city of Minneapolis um, should hopefully have that feeling that, like, yes, the the experience is supported here and and it's going to continue to to grow and and develop into more. Now, I know there's always those challenges when it comes to certain rinks and locations and times and ice times have always been challenges and things that people have have, uh, wanted to work on, but... um, I have a feeling that, you know, with the right people in place, we will see those addressed and answered and, and hopefully um, not necessarily make it easier, but um, education again. Maybe make it a way to, to learn how to be a part of it in whatever community you're in, um, regardless if you're in, you know, the Twin Cities metro or anywhere in the state. And hopefully Minneapolis is a catalyst to that and, and a growth opportunity for sure. Well, yeah, before we, before we go, I want to say personally just thank you to you because you've been you know, a big help to you know both of us and opening doors and letting us know about different opportunities. So definitely wanted to say that before we let you go that you know, I appreciate the, the help and, and to continuing to help us and opening doors for us. So I, I really appreciate that. Definitely, yeah. yeah. No, I, I appreciate the work you guys are doing. Like I said, too, this is, um, you know, a movement we're all a part of together. And, uh, yeah, I think it even started with, with your mom at uh, <laughs> yeah, at, at, yep. at, a, at a diversity <laughs> event for, for USA Hockey. Yeah. And, um, yeah, she was like, yeah, I'm at Metro Transit, and we can get, you know, we can move these kids. We can get them to hockey rinks. Yeah. And I was like, all right. Yeah. And next thing you know, yeah, growth of the game is taking place. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it it is as simple as just having a conversation with, with your neighbor and talking about, you know, what can we do to support it? And, and I'm grateful for you guys, too, and the work you're doing mm-hmm. and uh, and watching what comes next. Because, yeah, like we said, we're a part of a movement and sure. uh, there's momentum behind it. And anything I can do to continue to support it, I'm, I'm always happy to do. I yeah, appreciate that. Well, thank Definitely. you so much again. You're 
mentor, you know, for us, absolutely. And, you know, Kwame Mason, uh, you know, and Kim Davis and Jeff Scott and, you know, numerous people you've mentioned as well. Like, absolutely. this is a network of people. And um, it's so just amazing again to have you here. And thank you for your time, Jeff. And absolutely. we look forward to hopefully, again, having you back on the show at some time. And, again, thank you to the listeners. And uh, look forward to having you on next week and uh, everything you listen to. So thank you so much. We appreciate your time. And uh, have a great, great rest of the week. Thank you.